Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and today's guest is founder and executive director of a national nonprofit organization, Ballet and Books. So please give a warm welcome to Talia Bales. Aw, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited today to talk about your organization because I discovered it through the Dance Edit newsletter, which is a daily newsletter that I get about dance news. So if anyone who loves wants dance news it's really great resource honestly and i found out about your organization and i'm like reading and dance what a great combination like it just makes sense and i was like i have to have someone from this organization and how great the founder talia is coming on to talk about it because i think first of all more people just need to hear about it because i think it's so cool and as a teacher myself i think it's a really great resource just to learn and to hear more about how we can help and all that stuff but thank you well and I think it's interesting you say that it's like of course ballet and books go together because that is not what people who aren't in the field or are kind of doing different things say and they're like what do they like hold books and like read while they're dancing like how does that actually work and I'm like no well let me explain it but you know once you I think once you're in the field it really does they do belong together and more people should uh, be able to bring the two kind of seemingly separate aspects together for kids Side note, like I started teaching at a ballet school here in Toledo, Toledo Ballet, and I teach Mm -hmm. a preschool class and I'm just following the curriculum that my previous teacher, Ann Heckler, did. And she incorporated like every class, every couple of weeks is a theme. And so you do movement based on that theme and then you read a story based on that theme and do a craft based on that theme. So it kind of helps them learn and then incorporate that with the movement. So like, for example, the one she gave was like fall we can do a dance about leaves falling and how can you do that with your body and then you read a book about fall and then a craft Mm -hmm. so it just like ties together and I didn't really like think about it until I actually started doing it like this is so good like oh I love that and all kids need access to that not just kids who can pay to go to a dance studio right that is kind of what we're doing that honestly sounds very similar in a lot of ways but how do we make sure every single kid across the U.S. has access to those things right yes oh so this is like a nerdy thing I just love it like this I'm excited more I like people with similar kind of hopes and dreams or similar kind of interests and passion. So it's fun for me too. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's like talk about you as a founder. So like, where did you grow up? Well, so I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I grew grew up outside of Cincinnati and then grew up dancing, really only ballet until my senior year when I started to branch more into the contemporary realm. You know, the traditional ballerinas don't know how to do anything else until we're like, whoa, there are other forms of dance out there. And so then I kind of left the ballet space. I decided before going to college that I would do a gap year. And so I lived for the year in a rural indigenous town in the Amazon rainforest region of Ecuador. And so I spent the year with an amazing host family who I still talk to very frequently, who I really do consider my family. Um, And I was teaching at a local school, working at a health clinic because of my interest in medicine and health, and then also dancing with the dance group. Every day I performed in a lot of different parades, um, and I did a lot of folklore and indigenous dance. And so I was a part of a very different type of dance than I was used to. But from that experience, I just thought dance was so core and crucial. I mean, definitely was core and crucial to my own development. But during that experience, I got to see how much 
dance was a part of other people's lives and other cultures. And individuals in Ecuador, the kids that I was teaching weren't great readers, but were phenomenal storytellers because of the cultural kind of value of dance um, and music and other parts of their lives. I went back to the U.S. and did research with a pediatrician on emergent literacy and how kids learn to read and when kids fall off track in reading, specifically lower income children or children who are underserved. Um, and that's kind of where the idea for Ballet and Books came. And then I went off to college at Cornell in upstate New York, did a lot of dance and different things, started Ballet and Books, moved to Arizona after college, was working for the government. Um, on COVID. <laughs> and now I'm in medical school. <laughs> and so I have a lot of different interests, I guess, but to me, they all coincide and overlap. And in the future, I really want to be a pediatrician and I want to work with the intersection of dance and health. That's what I really believe in. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of in college friends, like dance majors who had a double major in like a science field, whether mm -hmm. it's psychology, biology, I think we need more of the, the merging those two because they go hand in hand. I totally. Think. And I think as, you know, I'm in medical school, I'm like, whoa, it all makes sense. Anatomy of the body, that's dance, right? Or even just like talking with patients is like performing, but in a really like honest, genuine way that I think dance allows for. Dance follows you everywhere you go. I think anywhere you end up, you can say dance is a part of your life. But yeah, after I did that research during the summer with a pediatrician at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, I just thought literacy was so important and was not accessible to all. Neither was dance. And I wanted the two to have a space together. And so, and I wanted to get involved in my community in Ithaca, New York, where I was going to college. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to start a really tiny little program. I made this horrible flyer that my creative director makes fun of because he was the first person to join the team. And he saw the horrible flyer and was like, let me help you out. <laughs> And thank goodness he did, because he has designed our entire brand and website and everything. He joined very early on. And so we started really small. And really, the idea was just, let's see if this works. Let's just serve our local community, work with people in our local community, collaborate with them, see what's needed, but also try to make dance and literacy more accessible. And it quickly took root. And we got a lot of interest after that first semester and then very quickly started growing. And as it started growing, first in Ithaca, New York, where we quickly had a big wait list of children. So we started with six to nine-year-olds. We expanded to younger children, three to five as well. People started reaching out to us from other cities saying, can I do this in my city? Can I do this here? And I was this little, you know, pre-med student, like, I don't know how to do a business stuff. What does this mean? But then it just, it was like, yes, we have to, because more kids need access to this. So how do we make sure more kids and communities have access? And that's, well, we better get a good team together and make sure that other people can access it too. So we got some grants when COVID started to make sure all of our kids were still getting access to what they need access to, to the resources that a lot of children were not having access to, or there was inequitable access. Mm -hmm. And so we got these big grants and then we started expanding to different universities across the nation. And now we have eight this spring with two more set to start in the fall and it's constantly growing it's more we're the hold up now how do we keep up with the kind of interest to keep growing mm -hmm. so yeah so can you describe what like a typical class does like you said you talked about the age groups like what does each age group consist of like a class and then how did you come up with the curriculum these are great questions and it's it's great to reflect on it too you know my great team they're always talking about things it's great for me to get the chance to be like wait what if how did we do this again 
So the way the actual program runs is it's an hour and a half long program in the fall and spring semesters because we rely entirely on volunteers. We have one part-time paid employee who we love, but we really value young people and the power of volunteers and young people working directly with their communities. And so we work directly with university students to put on the program that's on a semesterly schedule per their you know college campus schedules. And so in the fall and spring, it's eight weeks, an hour and a half each week. And the first 45 minutes of that hour and a half session is a dance class led by a college student dancer. And it's using kind of, I wouldn't call it curriculum, but like songs and music and activities that we have trained them in and taught them with the help of our amazing uh, facilitators that facilitate our trainings who have a years of expertise more than I have. So the second half of the session, we pair each child one-on-one with a college student mentor who they work with throughout the whole semester. So that 45 minutes uses our curriculum that integrates literacy and movement directly into the session itself. So examples of like what our curriculum looks like for our young children, for the three to five-year-olds, it's like syllables. They're learning syllables, but why can't syllables integrate like movement and dance into them? So let's clap to syllables, stomp to syllables, jump to syllables. Let's make a dance to a poem. Is it about a leaf or is it about a water droplet or a flower? Can we grow like a flower? Let's read that poem and look at the words. Let's read a book together about dance. I mean, we have some favorite it's like drafts can't dance is a go-to for everybody this is it yeah there are some super iconic great dance books out there that we use all the time and then we just published our own children's book that we really use a lot in our sessions too because it's really diverse characters and represents the broad array of kids that we serve um and then for our older kids that might look like doing a Mad Lib to talk about adverbs, nouns, things like that. Again, writing their own poem this time and making up a dance to the poem. They can read a book and they can dance with the book. They can make a story map. We can watch part of the Nutcracker and then talk about the story map and the components of the story. And then can we make our own dance to that? And there's a lot of just reading time and bonding time with those mentors as well. Um, So that's kind of what the program and the curriculum looks like. And the way that we developed the curriculum is really at the start was just by trying it. And by all those years of experience, I had teaching and working in the emergent literacy space with physicians. It was, we were developing it based on core fundamental concepts that were age appropriate to those children. And so we developed it initially based on that and just saw what worked and what didn't. And we developed this whole array of activities that we could integrate into the curriculum. And then every semester, we make sure to edit it based on feedback that we get from mentors. And we've worked with different partners, different literacy experts, reading interventionists, dance experts, identity and bias experts to make sure that curriculum is appropriate uh, for our kids and beyond. And so that's kind of the curriculum overview. I don't know if that answered all your questions. Yeah, no, I love how interactive it is because it's so kids, it's so hard if someone's just read like reading at you and they're not gonna, they're not gonna retain it. They're not gonna want to learn more by but by incorporating movement mm-hmm. and like asking them questions while you're reading yeah. or like making them write a poem, like you said, is so amazing. That's gonna help them just yeah, mm-hmm. like, like I said, retain it, want to learn more, want to dance more, like they're gonna help each other out. Totally. And so something there's like a there's a methodology called dialogic reading with young yes, children. I saw that. Explain what that is. So dialogic reading is simply just a way to read with young kids. So what you're saying is basically dialogic reading. Why don't you ask the kids questions when you're reading the book with them so that they're involved in the story? Like, for example, we're reading a story and there's ice cream in the story. Oh, have you ever had ice cream? What kind of ice cream do you like? 
Or like, can you point to the ice cream in the store? It's like asking questions as you're reading instead of just reading to a kid. And we always say, so we train our mentors and our college students with the help of all these reading interventionists, identity individuals, and then a dance engagement individual. And those we always say to our mentors, reading with kids is not as easy as you think. You're not just reading at them. Like you actually have to engage them in the story and get them excited about reading, get them to be a part of it. They don't have to like love reading necessarily for their whole lives, but this is the start of education. And this is this, this is their introduction and their entryway into education and to learning. And how can we better prepare the kids of the future for our futures. We have to start now. And it's our responsibility, in my opinion, uh, for us to kind of serve that community. And so that's how we're doing it. That's what we believe that through dance and literacy, that's how we young people can make a difference. And I like how, I know you said it's like any type of dance, but I like how in your, in the title, it's ballet and books, because I feel like ballet has this connotation of not being inclusive, not being accessible. And so I like how you're reframing that mindset, mindset of no ballet is fun. It can yeah. be accessible. And there's, of course, the years of colonialism and the years of just like white people being able to do it and other people not being able to do it. And I think we're trying to show everybody needs to be able to have access if they would like that access. And at the same time, we need to expose kids to all different types of dance. But ballet is one of the foundations of a lot of different types of movement. And so I think it's also a great entryway into dance. It doesn't mean that it's the only form that kids need to be exposed to, which is very much what we believe. And I'll just say as a side note, this weekend, I was out of town visiting friends, and I, I don't know if you follow us on social media, but I was at a bar, and I ran into Michaela DePrince, if you know who that is, who is like this icon, a beautiful Black ballerina who we love at Ballet and Bucks, and I was just totally fangirling over her because... <laughs> To us, that's like literally a celebrity. And we were at this bar, me and my two of my friends, and the waitress was like, who is it? Oh <laughs> and I was like, gosh. no, it's this huge person. Like, and it was early in the night. It wasn't very late. So it was like, yeah. oh my God. I so love late. that. That's awesome. It was oh, really cool. <laughs> Any like famous dancer that no one else knows. I'm like, oh my God, like you don't know who so-and-so is. You don't know who Justin Peck is or like, oh my crazy. Yeah, yeah. How cool. It's so, it's so cool. It was really cool. Mm -hmm. How does it work with what areas you're going to and what kids? Yeah. So the way we work with different communities, very frequently college students are coming to us now and saying, we want to start a chapter in our community. Sometimes we'll get contacted by a community partner first. So part of Ballet and Books is all of our student chapters are required to partner with a local community partner. And those partners are libraries, schools, Head Start programs, community centers, I don't know what I'm forgetting, but that type of partner, very frequently it's libraries because they'll provide a space and they'll recruit the kids. So that's who decides who the kids are because we know that community partners know their communities better than we do if we're just coming in. They're invested in that community and they know the children who maybe could most benefit from our programming. And so that's typically what the structure is. So like in Cincinnati, we right now we're working with the Cincinnati Public Library, specifically the Walnut Hills branch, and we're growing from there and working with the University of Cincinnati students. In Michigan, we have an early Head Start partner, and we're working with another partner, but the dance school at Michigan came to us first. So it just depends on how we're, like, where we're going. I think now that we're growing so fast, we're trying to be very intentional about where we go and the communities we enter because we've seen what works and we we've seen what doesn't, you know, we've definitely, they always say fail fast. We definitely have had failures <laughs> and maybe they haven't been failures. Maybe they just, that's how you grow though, you know, right. That's how you grow. You have to see what works and what doesn't. And so I think we know somewhat like 
we need strong student leaders. We need people who really want to make a difference. And I think we also need a strong community partner. And so we go to where those are um, and to where the, there are children who could most benefit. I've taught at a library, like after school program. Those are some of the most rewarding experiences mm-hmm. for me as a teacher because they don't get to see dance that often. They don't, they, mm-hmm. Or they don't have a space to be able to like just move on their own. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to see kids like let go. And we like them to be in those kind of public spaces because it makes it more accessible and more like they can see themselves there. And then at the end of the semester, we bring the kids to the college campus and they perform on stage with oh the college students. Which is, and so that's like incredible. And these kids talk about it for years and years <laughs> because it's such an opportunity but we want them to be in their space that dance can be right where they are, but they also can see themselves at this university in 15, 20 years, whatever it is, because they also belong there. And that's kind of our goal. What a great like confidence booster too, just to go on stage mm-hmm. for them. And oh my God, yes. Do they get to and like, now get that costumes, kind of- or do they get like a t-shirt or something? So every child gets leotards and tights and they're all given leotards and tights from donors and typically shoes as well kind of depends, but yeah. So they all are given, or if it's a boy or somebody who wants to wear something different, then we'll make sure they have appropriate clothes. Yeah. What, like for you personally, have you learned while teaching these classes and going through this whole process of starting this organization? Like what has been a big lesson I think for you? That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah, I guess two part, like teaching these students, but then also like being the organizer behind it, I guess. I feel like I don't get to do as much of the teaching anymore. I am actually starting as a medical student and I I really love working in hospitals and in clinics and in different types of spaces. And so this weekend I'm starting working at the children's hospital here and teaching just in the hospital, but that's a different space than I've been in before. And so I, I don't teach as much anymore. I do a lot of the coordination and back end stuff, which I find what I find most meaning in there. I guess I'm going to answer it like that instead of like what I've necessarily learned, because I think what I've learned is also like what I find meaning in. It's like what brings me joy in life is what I've learned. And I think somebody once told me, find the intersection of where your passions meet the world's greatest needs. And that's what you should be doing. And so I think I found that sort of through this organization as I've grown up with this organization. Honestly, it started when I was 19, I guess. Yeah. Right. Or maybe I had just turned 20. It was my freshman year of college and I had just taken a gap year. So I was a little older, but I was young and I still feel young. Not that I'm old. (laughs) I'm still learning and growing with it. But I think that this organization has really allowed me to find what I love and what I care about. And that is working directly with kids and working with people. And what I find the most joy in now leading it is seeing our college student mentors find joy and find that same connection and sense of community and belonging that the kids also find. It's very strange. Our college students, they also are isolated. They're also lonely. They also want to feel connected to something bigger than them, but they're also phenomenal leaders and have these huge, there's all this potential in front of them. And they just need to be given the opportunity to learn and to try and fail. And I love seeing how they interact with the students and hearing stories of kids getting on stage because the mentor was like, let's go together. I think that's really what keeps me going. And that's where I've found that's what I love. I love making sure that 
kids and young people feel connected and feel a sense of belonging and are ready to thrive in life. And I think that's why, why I'm interested in pediatrics and in that kind of space. And then to answer your first question, that was a really long-winded response. No, it's great, though. I like the idea of sense of belonging, especially, for, like you said, college students. It's a new time. Loneliness is a huge thing, especially in the world of social media. It's just like a lot. And I think like it's a reciprocal relationship with kids and those mentors. They're helping each other out in some Right. How do they each find like this sense of commitment to each other? And we're like, all you have to do is show up every week. You might not know exactly what to say when a kid says something to you. It might be like, as you go. (laughs) Trust me. Just show up. Just show up and you will be okay. And they listen to them. Kids just want to be listened to. They just want to listen. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kids are like so cool. <laughs> totally the future of all of us. But so I, I guess to answer the first one of what I've learned from teaching these classes, mm, that one's a little harder, but I think I myself have found a sense of community and sense of belonging and a sense of leadership that I didn't totally know was like totally core to who I am. But I've also found, and this is so cheesy, but dance connects everyone across all cultures, across all abilities, across languages. We have so many children that come from such different backgrounds and it doesn't matter when you're dancing together. And I think what I have learned from these classes, I have refound my sense of childness, I guess. And my friends would always say, I'm an old lady in a child, in a young adult's body, but acting like a child. So maybe I already had that, but I think being a kid is just so pure in some ways or so there again to use the word potential there's so much potential and they just have such this great curiosity for the world that I want to always have because I think we can always keep learning and I think the only way we can see change and hope for change is if we're patient with other people and we ask questions and I think that is what kids do and that's what I want to do and that's what I try to approach my my career I guess with now is that same kind of curiosity and just this this understanding that other people are they're good everybody's good at heart maybe something is triggering them but they're good at heart and I want to see that and somebody actually told me maybe you were only able to do all this with this organization because you're naive to think that it's not going to (laughs) fail and I was like maybe but look it worked (laughs) hey someone's got to do it like if you feel such a strong passion for it it'll mm-hmm. happen and people will see that and yeah totally I agree what has been your favorite moment throughout this organization like this little like little like student moment maybe or something I have one story that I always use when people ask me this this one's hard because there's been so many phenomenal moments and it's always changing and there's always good things coming and bad things and hard things and we start with plan a and we always end up on plan z but that's okay but this, the story I always use is about one of my students who came in and she was just, she had just been adopted, I think, out of the foster foster care system. And her family was lovely, so kind, and brought their child into our cen- the center that we were working out of. And the child just did not want to get off of her parents and was clinging to her parents and didn't want to dance with us and was really shy, wouldn't write her name on the little attendance sheet. And that was the first week. By the last week, she was dancing with us. She wasn't always so excited, but she was coming in. You know, she wasn't holding on to her parents anymore. And then it came time for the show. And... Her parents were so nervous and they were backstage like, oh, well, we can take her. We can stay back here. We can take her out to the audience. You know, we don't think she'll, she's going to want to do it. And I was like, no, she's fine. Look at her. She looks (laughs) totally fine to me. (laughs) 
And the little girl went on stage and danced the whole dance, no tears, beautifully. Jumping up and down. Mind you, she's like three and a half or four, so she's very young at this time. (laughs) I don't know how good the dance was, but she looked gorgeous. And her mom wrote me after and said all of her siblings were crying because they'd never seen her do this. And then she got a little Barbie doll and named it Italia after me. Oh my gosh, stop. That's so awesome. And this mom still sends me videos of her child who is now this phenomenal dancer. They enrolled her in like weekly, more frequent dance classes at a real dance studio in their town because she loved it. And it just totally was her thing. And it became like part of her. And it was that story just is totally the coolest thing. And when I'm like so frustrated, I just go look at these videos that this mom sends me of the little girl dancing and beautifully. And to say that's the only one would be an understatement because I get other videos from other parents too. But that one specifically, because I remember at the beginning when she was so nervous and during the show and she was so nervous, but if you believe in a kid, they're going to do it. They're going to, you know, muster the confidence and step on stage. You never know if you're going to inspire yeah. Oh my God. Totally. That's why you just got to be nice to everybody. <laughs> That's so cute. She's probably ready to go on that stage and leap across the stage in her little outfit. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you wrote a book. Yeah. Like, yeah. So talk about why and like what this book's yes. about, because I think it's so cute. So the reason we wrote our book was because in the summer of COVID, I was making this whole list of all of our books to buy for our kids because our kids were home from school and they were the ones that were being most affected by all the closures. I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. I want a book that has diverse characters that our kids can look up to that also makes the kids dance while reading the book. It's not like, you know, sit, read, but I want them to dance and want to dance while they're reading it. And then I was like, wait, why don't we just write our own? Like, why not? So I like wrote it that night. I was like, okay, I'm just going to write a book right now because who knows? And so we wrote this book and then obviously it got edited a bit, but then we got some funding to hire an illustrator. And again, young people, young professionals, it's all young people led. And then my team, our creative director really played a big part in helping design it and making it all work. Um, And so the book is really just about ballet and books. It's called When We Read. And the purpose of the book is when we read, we can also dance and we can look at these pictures and we can leap and we can write words with ribbons in the air and we can clap to syllables and we can stop to syllables. It's trying to bring our curriculum to life in a book. And it has many different types of children of many different abilities, uh, many different backgrounds. And the purpose of that is because we want every child that walks through ballet and books books to be like look it's me or look it's a child that looks like me because dance is for everybody as we said and we want kids to see themselves in the book when we read and you can buy it on amazon like amazon barnes and noble target all the places all the places <laughs> also get it first of la <laughs> yeah your kids are probably like it your little preschool kids it's like yes. you've read a lot of giraffes can't giraffe can't dance so <laughs> some more yeah <laughs> So for Valley Books, are there any like future projects or events that you guys are doing or anything that you like your future goal, would you say? Mm-hmm. People always ask me like, what is our future goal? And I always say like, have a ballet and books chapter in every community that needs it. But that's a huge, you know, long-term goal. I think our most immediate goals are we're starting a few new chapters. We just started one at Columbia University in New York City this spring, and we're starting two more in the fall. And so we're focused on starting new chapters and we're really focused on how do we make sure we have enough funding 
to move forward and grow as a sustainable organization because we don't, you know, now we're at the point where we're getting big and we want to make sure that this is sustainable and that this can grow at the right pace. And so we're looking for like expert advice right now and focused on that and focused on growing in that way, focused on evaluating our programs through research and focused on kind of expanding our reach so that other people hear about us and so that we're serving in kind of different communities like at hospitals and those kind of places as well. So I wouldn't say there's any like major projects, like the book was a huge project, a huge undertaking, but now it's the fundraising, the building up the board, the the like foundational logistics and making sure our team of volunteers is constantly supported as, you know, there's a lot of, sometimes there will be turnover because college students turn over. And so we need to make sure that those stay sustained and they still feel supported by our team. It's hard running a nonprofit. Like I've interviewed some people in nonprofits and it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I, I, I don't have time to do so much work as yes, a you're in med school. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing to myself? But it's what brings me such joy some days. Some days I'm like frustrated by it, but that's with everything. In the end, I care so much about it and I so believe in the mission, but it, it is a lot of work and it is, it's hard, especially as young people. I think we are, we're learning it as we go, which has its pros and cons, but it's a great, it's a great challenge for my brain and for our creativity as well. Mm-hmm. Before <laughs> we end, I want to ask some rapid fire questions. Okay. I'm so slow. I don't know if I'm so fast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Favorite book. Uh, we always say favorite children's book. So I'm going to answer favorite children's book and I'm going to answer it with this is it by Diary Peoples Riley, because I love it. But if I had to answer adult book, I'd answer Harry Potter. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's one's your favorite? Oh, uh, I've read four. Your favorite movie. I've read four a lot of times. But okay. that's just because as a child, that's the only one we had like in our house. Yep. <laughs> we didn't own the rest of them. But I, I think I, I mean, I love the seventh. I just think the seventh is great every time. I love it. And movie? Mm, honestly, probably seventh too. But I... The movies are harder because I grew I watched most of the movies before I even read the books. Yeah, me too. Okay. It's our age group, honestly, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rhonda Jean or a fondue? <laughs> Rhonda Jean all the way, not fondue. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves a good, I love a good Rhonda Jean. Fondues are too hard. Too much butt muscle work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, okay, anyone doesn't know, like, Rhonda Jean is just like a circle of the leg on the ground. It's kind of like a half pizza circle. Mm-hmm. It's that really was a great bad. explanation. And fondue, you have to bend, you have to plie. It's just like a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, because like fondue means to melt, but like you have to like go on relevant sometimes. It's just <laughs> favorite quotes. Oh, I have my favorite quote. Have you ever heard of the Desiderata poem? No. Okay, I'm going to find it for you. <laughs> okay, here it is. And okay. whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. I can't find it, but that is that is the beginning of my favorite quote. Because whether or not it is clear to you, the universe is unfolding as it should. Another quote I like, I'm a big quote person. I just have quotes all over my computer. Wait, this is the other one I like, and I'm gonna pull it up because this one I have very conveniently located in my notes tab. <laughs> it is let us read and let us dance. These two amusements never do harm to the world. And that's fitting for ballet and books, of course. Where's that quote from? Is that from a book? Voltaire? Oh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody sent it to me. I actually have never confirmed that that's who it's by. But somebody <laughs> sent it to me and said that's who it was by. <laughs> that's legit. <laughs> Favorite song to dance to? 
Oh, that is so hard. How do you choose that? Or your current uh, one right now that you're just jamming out to? The one that I like dance to in my house is Pink's Never Gonna Not Dance Again right now. <laughs> See, it's a great song. It's a great song. <laughs> it's like so pop culture, but it's like phenomenal. <laughs> it is. And in the music video, I think she's wearing roller skates. Yes, I she love is. it. I do too. I it's love just, it. It's such a great, I like get obsessed with a song at a time and then I'll like get really sick of it because I'll listen yeah. to it. All the time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's been out for a while. I'm like, okay, it's a good yeah. song. And then, like, for some reason, like one week, I was just like nonstop playing. It's still good right now. <laughs> and then, what do you like to do for yourself when you're not busy with school and the organization? Like, what what do you do for yourself? I like to go work out or dance. <laughs> yeah, it's probably that a good stress time. reliever. Yes, I need to move my body. So I like to bike ride too, but it's really cold in Michigan right now. So I'm not bike riding lately. So the website for Ballion Books is ballionbooks.org. You can get involved there or donate and check out what they're doing. And then you can follow Ballion Books at Ballet Books on Instagram Mm -hmm. and Facebook as well. Ballet Books. I think on Facebook, it's Ballet and Books. But if you type in Ballet Books, you should find it too. Oh my gosh, this is great. I'm so glad that you came on to share because I honestly, like, I just love this idea of it and I want more people to hear about it because I think people should. (laughs) Thank you for giving us the platform to share about what we're doing. I hope that people get involved or are able to use kind of these resources in their communities too in whatever way that works for them. So thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for coming. And thank you to everyone who's been listening in and stay tuned for another episode next month.